CorporalNetwork.com. This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links. You can get all your PDF D&D products from all editions of the D&D Classics at the D&D Classics site. And for anything you can't get there, Amazon probably has it. And either way, get there through our links and it helps support the show. Welcome to the Tome Book Club for February 2013. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club, we discuss one D&D-related novel, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book for this month was the second half of Lesser Evils by Aaron M. Evans, whom we'll be speaking with shortly. But first, let's introduce our guests for this discussion. Eric Paquette, Brenda Sam. Oh, sorry. Hello. And Jeff Wynn. Hello. So we've got Eric, Brenda, and Jeff returning. They joined us for part one, and now you're back for part two, huh? Yep. We didn't scare you off. We are back. <laughs> when I felt, talking about it. Yeah. I made my will save. <laughs> or you failed it, and we drew you back in. Yes. And just Perhaps. as a, a reminder for our listeners, our next book is going to be Eye of Justice, the latest Sh- Shadowbane tale by Eric Scott to be, available in both ebook and as an audiobook from Audible. Uh, we'll be reading chapters 1 through 14 by the end of March 2013. If you want to join us for an episode or reading along with us and have a comment, questions, or contemplation you'd like to share, please email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 919-BIZ-TOME, 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And now let's go ahead and talk about Lesser Evils by Aaron M. Evans. Who wants to tell us what the second half of the book was about? Ghosts. <laughs> it was about oh, ghosts. Shapeshifting ghosts. And a uh, lich, sort of? A mummy. Yeah, that was a mummy. Was a- lots, of, lots of shouting and running. <laughs> there was a lot of shouting and running. And sleeping. <laughs> and hallucinating. And hallucinating. And True. making out. And making out. <laughs> and then to finish off with a big, huge explosion, which comparing with the making out can be interesting. It was a lot more active than the first half. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it, it followed the classic pattern of storytelling, which is you build up and build up and build up, and then you have release. And mm-hmm. so the, the second half of this... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What? That's that's how I learned it in, in yeah, English you, class. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> but we went from making out to that. <laughs> and everyone here is childish. <laughs> I, well, wor- I work with 12-year-olds. <laughs> well, the, the, the rest of the story was still a lot of the teenager relationship happening between all the characters. Mm-hmm. I, have, well, I have a constant sort of um, struggle I have to deal with in that... Um, I feel like as characters become more powerful, they should also become older and more mature, you know? Uh, and that's not that has not necessarily entirely been the case here, right? I mean, these characters are becoming powerful fairly quickly in terms of, you know, character status or level status, you know, or what have you. Um, but are still, you know, young teenagers who really don't know how to deal with that power. Or they're Tam. Yeah. <laughs> Who's also a little childish sometimes. Yes. 
But I think it's hard with the the twins is because they've been under. I think they've been prematurely aged by with Mian. Mm-hmm. And now that he's not there, they're allowed to kind of relax a little bit, but that comes across as very childish sometimes. Well, see, I, I think I'd go the opposite. I think they haven't been allowed to age because of Meehan. He's been there to shelter them and tell them what to do and what have you, and they haven't had a chance to explore and figure it out on their own. Which well, is no, a, I, yeah. I, I guess what I was trying to say is they act like they're older than they really right. are because they know what to do at all times because Meehan tells them what to do. Right. So they really know how to be mercenaries very well, but they don't really know how to figure out relationships and junk. That's, that sounds fair. Yeah. But I am, I am pleased that, that almost immediately after that, that halfway point, um, we, we got to... Um, I can't remember the characters' names anymore. Uh, What's-her-face and, and, and what's-his-face actually kissed. Uh, oh, uh, Havilar and the boy. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Bryn. Oh, yes. Bryn, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it didn't happen too long after after that midway point when we were all saying we were really annoyed of them going back and forth and being confused and, 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 and not kissing, and then they kissed, and they were suddenly a lot more tolerable from that point they, on. They were. They were a lot less angsty. <laughs> <laughs> And I also um, the I think the the storyline with Lorcan uh, played out uh, at a pace that I was that I liked. You know, I was a little afraid that they were going to draw it out for the whole thing, um, but I liked that he did show up, and then that became a, a, a yet another hurdle for them to overcome. Yeah, well, basically, right shortly again, shortly after the midway point, he shows up. Mm-hmm. Stuff stuff happens. So, and he's another he's another. Uh, troublesome character right because on one hand you see that there is a a movement towards redemption for him uh and his connection with with uh farida but on the other hand like he'll be talking to her and he'll be well from what i can tell is fairly genuine and sincerely a good person with her just conversing and then you know tam will walk by and he'll do say something really stupid for no purpose, to serve no purpose other than to piss Tam off, you know? It's like, you are not helping your cause here. They're trying to justify keeping you around, and then you say the most horrible things to some of these people. Yeah. Particularly Dahl. Yeah. The- well, he's a paladin, and Lorcan's a devil, and they have, they have, they have kind of re- have reason to despise each other. He's a fallen paladin, if you don't... Mm. Yeah, the fallen paladin. Yeah. Although I think... That, I feel like there's a whole story about Dahl that we haven't heard yet that could still come up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of feeling like by the end of this book, she's really split her cast into two groups, and maybe we'll have to have two books to, to tell each group's story. Well, I find that... I mean, and maybe this is intentional, maybe not, but I found that... Because we read the, the first book with these characters a while back too. And I found what she did there is she sort of had a, a B character in Bryn with this hint that there was more going on to him. And then in this book, we got a lot, we got to find out what, what his story was. Right. Um, and then I, in this book we're introduced to doll and there, he's sort of a B character, but we've got hints of there's more to him. And so I wonder if the next book, he, he won't become more of an A character there. And he just, she just sort of introduces characters as B characters 
with hints and then develops it later. Well, because they are going to need a chaperone. Who's, who's going to need a chaperone? The twins and... The twins and Bryn, Bryn when they go rescue. And Lurkin. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a little worried about Meehan. I'm st- no, I'm still worried about Meehan. We still have no idea what happened to him, right? Well, he was uh, We did. For... Oh, okay. Well, I forgot then. It's been a couple yeah. weeks since I finished. What happened? They, they got a note shortly after they come back saying Meehan had been arrested. Oh, yeah, yeah, Capping Bryn. Yes. That's right. And he was arrested in Cormier. So, so we can presume that the next book is going to take place in Cormier, huh? Or on their way to Cormier. Or Cormier's. at least half of it will. Well, it 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 sounds like uh, Farida and Havilar are going to go to Cormier, and Tam and Dahl are going to stay behind in uh, Waterdeep and have Harper adventures. So that's <laughs> that's that's why I suggested that there that there might, might be, be yeah there there might be a splitting like there like she might do a Harper series and she might do a tiefling series you know it's now that's how i would do it my guess my guess is what might happen is that they lose tam as he stays in water do- water deep in his harper things and then maybe doll still ends up going with them because um, tam i always sort of felt like because tam I, as i understand it as i remember from our interview with her from the previous book that she wrote uh, tam was a character that she brought in from a previous book that she she wrote uh, and she, she had written about him two books ago uh, and so I feel like he sort of has had his own story, and he, his role here was always a little bit of, of an extended cameo, so to speak, um, in this larger story about, about the tiefling. So I wonder if he won't fade yeah. to the background. Um, well, go ahead. He seems to now go trying to set his role of rebuilding the Harpers as they used to be from near the end. Mm-hmm. I so. can see that having an effect in like the next book where he just makes – Cameo mm-hmm. when he talks to Bryn or something, or not Bryn, Dal. Dal, yeah, or sends letters, instructions. Yeah. Well, and I still feel like there's my, more story with his daughter too that she could pop up and be an issue. Yes, yeah. well, she kind of joined the bad guys. So. Yeah, although I still stand by, and I think we had this conversation in the last time. I still stand by the fact that the idea that I don't think she's with the bad guys because she's a bad person. I think she's yeah. with the bad guys because they, they were expedient towards her other goals. They had the money, so right. that's what she's with Yeah, them. they had the money, they had a better deal, and they were first to give out the deal. And the and the, her father and the Harpers have not given her a better deal or a way to protect her from the Zentarum. Right. Now, what what about the whole uh, shade angle, the whole Netherese thing? Because they ended up sort of being the villain of the whole thing. Did they work? Um, they they did, really didn't appear for for most of of the book. I mean, uh, the villain of the story was everybody's relationships with each other. That was that was every, every everybody was sort of everybody else's an, antagonist in this in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and and actually, I mean, if you think think of the setting of the story of being the library, then there was internal and external threats because the internally you had the ghosts and the mummy. And externally, you had the the Shadowvar showing up. I yeah. wa- I start to wonder if um, the shade because the the the, the never. F- I mean, even from the beginning, they it, it felt a little bit out of place, I guess, um, in terms of what was going on. But How so? I, I mean, it, it works. But I mean, I don't know. It just sort of felt like 
you had a storyline going on that had nothing to do with them, and then they were added in. Um, oh, like it's an artificial time constraint. Yeah, they they create an artificial time constraint, and and then I also wonder if it it doesn't help lay the groundwork for where she's going in the next book. Um, and that's based off of having read Salvatore's recent book, um, which is very much laying the groundwork for the Sundering, and deals heavily with the Netherese there. So I wonder if if the Netherese aren't going to play heavily into the Sundering, and that's and so laying the laying the groundwork for them being a villain in with the Tieflings now could pay off later on. Well, speaking of the Sundering, do you remember the the epilogue here? I do. Oh yes. The epilogue with uh, the fact that uh, uh, Lokan's sister. sister, she has failed. What's her name? Glacia. Uh, yeah, Glacia. Yeah. Thus, they, Asmodeus has plants which reshape the, uh, to hierarchy. the hierarchy of the gods, I believe. Is it the gods or is it? And but. So Glacia has given to Lorcan's sister the, the the task of basically making sure this happens and s- implying enough that it would be a shame if this would fail and thus Asmodeus would fall and someone else would have to replace him. Mm-hmm. Right. Cersei's caught where she doesn't want to be between between Glacia and Asmodeus, which is a very very dangerous place for anyone to be. Yes. Well, I'll be I'll be curious to see if because I I. I end- my guess or my feeling is that the Sundering is going to very heavily involve the gods. Um, but at the same time, one of the big changes that has happened through the additions is, is the outer planes and, and devils and demons and all of that. And, and the, you know, her story has very much highlighted that and, and discussed that. Um, so I wonder if her corner of the Sundering isn't going to give us a little peek into what's going on with that and, and where that's going in the next iteration of D&D too. I certainly hope so. I, I really like devils and demons in, in my D&D, so I'll, that's part of why I really like these, these books. Yeah. I, I, I sort of want them to, you know, remember that there's also things like Yugoloths and, <laughs> yeah. other, you know, Demodans and lots of other awesome creatures in the plains that tend to get forgotten. They weren't forgotten. Most of the most of the Yugoloths made an appearance in fourth edition. They just weren't Yugoloths anymore. Sadly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so they either became demons or devils, depending yep. on they had to which, choose a side. Yep. Which, considering that, that considering they were they were mercenaries, you could still explain that they were prolonged mercenary work. Well, in in. Okay, th- th- this is a tangent, but in, yeah, <laughs> in, in Planescape, you, the 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 Yugoloths were, were sort of like these secret masterminds of of evil. Like they were they were playing the 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 demons against the devils. Like they were they were the ultimate threat. Mm-hmm. They were they were cool. Really, I, I really liked them too. I used I used them a lot in Second Edition. And Modrons, Modrons were cool. <laughs> but, that, <laughs> Modrons. but that's a real tangent. <laughs> yes. uh, well, tell tell Miss Miss Evans to work Modrons into her next book somehow. Yeah, I'm sure she'll get right on that. <laughs> that a Modron would really round out this party, wouldn't it? It would be interesting. So. <laughs> it would sort of be. Yeah. 
It would. It's so kind of a really weird party, anyway. So it, it, it is uh, a very weird party. And, and, and part of what I really like about the group in this book is that we've got a lot more of the the god issue uh, that has come into it. The first book didn't didn't play. I mean, it dealt a lot with demons and devils, which you would think would then also deal with the divine a lot, but it didn't really. Uh, but between Tam and Dahl, you've got uh, I think an interesting angle bringing some of the gods and and what they're what they're up to uh, into the story. Because I think there's more to Dahl than right. than he realizes. I think Agma has not um, scorned him the way he thinks he's been scorned. Um, I think a lot of it's just him getting over some things. And now that Lorcan is with the party, yeah, that's another interesting angle for on the outer plane god aspect. Yeah. Although I hope that in the futures of the story, um, the whole everybody hates Lorcan except Farida thing. I, I hope we can move past that. You know, the i the the, the uh, it's cute and it makes sense and it's interesting where he's he's a, a, trying to be a genuinely good person for her, but he's horrible to everybody else. But I'd like to see everybody else start to at least give him the benefit of the doubt, or start to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, that's well. He needs to, to hang hang around more. I mean, right. he, up up until now, he's been he's been coming and going, and only really talking to Farida. So only, so everyone's only ever gotten you know glimpses of him. Basically, that's true. yeah. What were you going to say, Brenda? Oh, I, th- um, I think Havilar might be starting to not hate him as much. Yeah, I think Havilar, because I th- and more than that, I think Havilar is, is willing to trust Farida. Yeah. So if Farida says give, give him a chance, then Havilar is more likely to give him a chance. But I think most everyone else still is just, you know, odd devil. Yeah. Right. Must not trust the devil. Only half devil, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, Lorcan's still still at, at at every point plotting and and scheming to make sure that that he comes out. Oh, absolutely! On top, I took credit for Dahl's uh, gift. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 but and how much of that is? I mean, he he's been doing that his entire life, right? It, that it's just become second nature and instinct to him at this point. Exactly. But I think I feel like he, do do we or I guess I should ask do we feel like he's going to be sticking around in the future, um, you know because he still can't exactly go home. I can't imagine. No, can't go more than six feet or so. Right, and and it's not like he's got to worry about all of his other warlocks anyway at this point because he's lost most of them. And the oh, one, and the yeah. ones he didn't lose, he's angry at. I'm 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 pretty sure he's going to be. St- Sticking around, and if this if this series goes on long enough, uh, he he and Farid are going to end up smooching at 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 some point down down the line. But I think they still have a while to go before before that point. Well, see, I I felt like I started to see a glimmer of hope in Farida in this book, in that she started to look at Lorcan more realistically. Yes, and not not with the the big moon eyes, and you know. Um, of, of a girl in love, but as somebody who understands that you know this person is not good for me, and I don't need him in my life, and I don't want him in my life, but I but he's I, he also has a chance, and I want to be good for him, and I want to be his friend, and whatever. Uh, and she's sort of trying to walk the line between I don't want a relationship with him, but I do want a relationship with him, and maybe he's not good for me, and trying to figure out what to do. I agree. 
I think that Sarasha might try to manipulate Lorcan in order to accomplish whatever goal that she has been assigned to her. Oh, almost certainly. She just find him. So, yeah, one has to find him and basically figure out a way of maybe accomplishing this failure because he's with adventurers. Yeah, although I feel like finding him is is a matter of time. I mean, it's it's not a matter. It's not if if she finds him, it's going to be when she finds him. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Currently, Cersei's busy doing something else. Well, she seems to have recruited the Netherese, were they? Mm-hmm. The people digging through the ruins of the library at the end of the book. Yeah. That was the, the yeah the Netherese, the Shadowbar, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Same so thing. So seems to have recruited them. Yeah. So that will probably help a lot with yeah. finding Lorcan. Yeah. But the reason she recruited them is she's working she's she's currently working for, for Glasia on whatever Glasia's scheme is, which may or may not involve Lorcan and, and Farida and, and Havilar. So if she's if she's going after Lorcan, she's basically doing it as a as a as a side project. Yeah well, well I don't know that it would be necessarily be a side project. I, I think going after the the Brimstone Angels, so to speak um, might be might, might coincide with what she's supposed to be doing because that's sort of been. I mean, that this, is true. this whole time she's been trying to get to them for somebody else that we don't know who it is or why. You know, we've been we've been hearing hearing hints that 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 the Brimstone Angels might might be more important than just any old warlock, right? And and, and I think the fact that I mean, it's very clearly been put in front of us that Havilar is is threatened but doesn't know that she's threatened because she's also a brimstone angel but nobody knows that she is except for Lorcan and Farida and they're trying to keep that a secret to protect her um the other thing too is I wonder if the book will play a big part of it in the future because the book knows a bunch of secrets about them mm. so and I, I, might like, help. I like the book I want to I want to do the same thing I want to I want to introduce an NPC book in my campaign <laughs> <laughs> with its own uh Agenda. Mm-hmm. But they don't. But nobody needs to know that at first. That's part of the fun. <laughs> the book was very, very helpful until they realized what was going on. Yeah. Right. I think. I think the book's pretty much going to stay with Tam from from here on out. It's it's going to be used as an interrogation device. <laughs> that is that is kind of wicked and cruel, isn't it? Well, it's painless. <laughs> Yes. You know, it just it just takes the secrets out of your head and puts it puts it on paper, you what, know? whether you like it or not. Exactly. <laughs> but we also know that there's uh, there are moles basically in the Harpers, so mm-hmm. I would be afraid of it leaving. Yeah, I do. I do sort of feel like we have three major possible storylines going on here. There's the whole Harper thing. You could do a whole series, like Jeff mentioned, on just what's going on with the Harpers. Uh, but at the same time, you've got the Brimstone Angel storyline, um, and then completely, almost irrelevant to all of that, you, you've got the whole issue of, oh yeah, and Meehan's in jail, we should deal with that. And, and that's why I, I hope she doesn't try to cram it all into one book. I think, I think Dahl in particular needs some time away from the twins before he resolves whatever feelings he has for, for, for Rita. He, need, he needs some time to, to follow his, his, his own storyline and, and you know, grow personally. Hmm. Otherwise, it's just it's just going to be him and Frida sniping at, at each other for like another book. Yeah, and I can see that. And at the same time, I don't know that he's going to get that. I mean, the, the series is called the Brimstone Angels. 
So I don't think we're going to have a book without the tieflings. But, you know, at the same time, sometimes you get a, a B story, right? So you could have an every other chapter thing where he spends half the book not with them and then rejoins with them later on. So, I mean, you could have something. I just don't know that we're – I mean, I, I think they're going to definitely resolve the Meehan thing shortly in the next book. Um, it's just an issue of is it going to be something that happens in the first chapter or two that takes them to Cormier and that's where the adventure goes from there? Or is it going to be – you know, the goal of a major arc of the story of getting me in free and figuring out what's going on. But who knows? Time. It could all be layered. Time will tell. Time will tell. Well, any last thoughts anybody has? I guess not. Like it. Doesn't look like it yet. <laughs> then I'm going to say that's all the time we have for now. Time to head off to talk to the author of the book, Aaron M. Evans. Um, we're here with Aaron M. Evans, author of Lesser Evils, part of the Brimstone Angel series. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So tell us, how gracile is Havilar? <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I was having a conversation the other day when I said, you know, if they ever actually illustrate Havilar without all their armor on, um, I, I'm probably going to end up giving a conversation with them because I can imagine she's pretty robust, actually, with all the... Yeah. the glaive and stuff. She's pretty muscular, I think. I imagine. And but I, the, you I know, just, I, when we're talking about her her bones, as you frequently <laughs> the word gracile is meant to use. <laughs> you know, I think she's got you know a fairly slender frame, but yeah, she's <laughs> she's really pretty bulky on top. <laughs> I'm just using your special Facebook word of the day. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but seriously, uh, lesser evils, as as concrete or esoteric as you want to be, what is lesser evils about? Uh, Lesser Evils is a sequel to Brimstone Angels. It's um, it's about the... I mean, I'm trying to do both at once, and that's a problem. <laughs> so, as far as the plot's concerned, this is about Farida um, rescuing Lorcan from the Hells and being tied up in a, uh, a Harper mission to um, stop the Shadowvar from, from accessing a, a, a lost artifact, uh, the details of which become clear through the book um and actually i think it's in the cover copy that it's a library so i could probably say that it's a library um <laughs> on a, a more you know thematic note it's sort of about um taking responsibility and and sort of the passing of the torch and um there's also you know the difference between the means and the end, right? You can you can have an ally who's maybe not the best on every level, but if they're going to help you do something right, is that okay? So is that is that what the title's about then? The lesser evils are things <laughs> like teaming up with people like Lorcan because it serves your needs now. Yes, if, you know if you're dealing with is it Lorcan or is it Asmodeus, you pick yeah. Lorcan. Um, <laughs> It's funny because that title um, is not my favorite title, <laughs> but it, partly because it does point so so directly at the at the sort of the point of the book but i didn't it, it, it worked out so I, I, and now that you say that and, and i hadn't really contemplated it very much there is an awful lot of um ends justifying the means sort of thinking and, and having to make those decisions yeah i mean it's, it's nice when everything lines up and you can do the right thing in the right way with the right people and get the right result mm-hmm. um, but there are times where you have to make the hard decision and say you know okay we, we're going to ally with these Gentarum agents because they also really don't like shade and they're going to stop shade from doing something terrible. Um, 
that's a lot better than just letting shade get the terrible thing because we don't want to associate with those people. Right. Or when you're facing that decision, do I kiss the boy or do I not kiss the boy? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I deal with the fallout of everybody else knowing what happened. <laughs> and it was, it was a very uh, relationship-heavy book, too. It, we got a lot of those relationships that it sort of the seeds were planted in the previous book actually started to be told that relationship story sort of got to be told here. Yeah. I think, you know, part of the fun of, of locking characters up in a, um, I, I forgot for a bit that most of your listeners were, were talking to people who've read the book, so I don't have to be coy. Um, that locking people, you know, up in a cave that they can't escape from, um, <laughs> they're going to have to confront each other a lot. Um, you're going to have to deal with, you know, the way you feel towards people and the way you've been reacting towards people and um, the fact that you have a crush on someone. Right on. And, and, and and I mentioned this in the discussion earlier too, but um, I like how one of the things we discussed before that I was a little bit uh, put out by was why does the girl always got to fall for the bad boy that everybody knows is bad for? Yeah. Right. And that was the whole Lorcan thing. Right. And I like that Farida has started to, open her eyes a little bit mm-hmm. and and I can see that there's a struggle there between do I fall for the boy or do I not fall for the boy now? Yeah. You know, she's not as blind to it now. Or at least what am I falling for? Yeah. I think, I, I think that I like that phrasing for it, that she's sort of going, okay, it's not just, there's this, you know, that, that my physical attraction to someone is not the, the whole story here. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that there, there's, other parts of this and there's complicated things to this and um i don't want those complicated things you know she is gonna have to deal with the fact that she's you know she does have feelings for him but she's also aware that it's not it's not a fairy tale right it's not the kind of thing where you walk in and go yay um, and through the power of love i changed him <laughs> exactly i've said this before but I, I, what I really never, ever want to do is make that happen. You know, she's not in charge of changing Lorcan. If Lorcan's going to change, he's going to have to do it on his own. Um, and I, I really want to, like, make sure that I never go down that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it, it sends the wrong message. And it's not, I just don't believe it, you know. Sure. And, and honestly, that, that, that's part of what has me torn between them is that on one hand, I really like a good redemption story. Yeah, you know, um, I'm the guy who always wants to play the fallen paladin to see if he can wor- earn his way back to paladin status, or you know that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so on one hand, I want to see the the redemption story of Lorcan becoming a good person and finding that morality and becoming the person worthy of Farida, so to speak. Um, and on the other hand, I feel like if you're gonna fall for the the bad boy, then the relationship should play out like it does when people fall for the bad boy, and that's always messy. You know, that, mm-hmm. ne- that never goes well, you know, and it usually yeah. ends, ends in heartbreak. Um, so I'm, I'm torn on that, on that relationship and I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Yeah, well, and <laughs> relationships often kind of end up in heartbreak anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're, what, how old are they? 16, 17? 16. Yeah. Well, I hope it's, it's interesting and, and messy relationships I think are more interesting than, um, ones that just all click perfectly, you know? So 
I hope it, it never makes anybody want to throw the book across the room, but I hope it makes you go, but wait, what happens next? Because <laughs> I, I have a few more of these to write, right? Well, it's certainly a constant reminder that, uh, of the lack of maturity that the girls have. Yeah. You know, seeing the way they deal with relationships is, is, always brings me back to, oh, yeah, they're teenagers. Yeah, and they're dealing with the kind of being separated a bit for the first time, too. Now that uh, Separated from Meehan. No, from oh. themselves, too, because now Havilar is dating. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like, there's that one scene where it, she didn't go right away to Farida. She went to Bryn. You, it did not feel good. <laughs> did, did you... Uh, which which raises the question: How much research did you do into into twins and and how that kind of thing plays out? You know, um, a little. Like I I've read some sort of first person accounts. I um, you know, just things like that. But but a lot of it is just I think about sort of the way my sisters and I have interacted, and we're fairly close in age. We're not twins, obviously. We're like two years apart, but um, that and just sort of amplifying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think is mostly where I go to, but yeah, I mean, like my sisters-in-law are twins, and so I kind of watch them and and watch the way they interact with each other. And um, I think once or twice I've asked them, like, does this make sense to you? Because when I started, they were eight. I think wait, I think we started writing Brimstone Angels. They were like around the right age, but mm-hmm. books take so long. So sure. um, one of them's getting married now. So the uh, yeah, so so. Not like a ton, a ton, because I feel like what I can tap into is mm-hmm. a little more, you know, going to be a little more true. But, but yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it is like having a sibling, but it's like having a second self too. You know, you, you think of this person as closer than anybody. Um, and so when you start to do that differentiation and you start to kind of become an adult, it's that much harder because this is somebody who you've spent your whole life with right. and, and closer than anyone. Yeah, you know, it, it feels true, but I'm not a twin, so I don't know if that. I, I was just curious right. if that was if that was a thing that you know, you know twins typically went through. You see the comments that line up is like this is not like it's like being a twin. Um, no, I mean, but you know, I like I said, I grew up with two sisters. We were very very close, and you know, mm-hmm. when we started to differentiate, you know, we each had come trouble with that in different ways, mm-hmm. and and kind of it's just you know, it's like becoming an adult and sort of separating from your parents, right? But but on a peer to peer level, it's yeah. Well, my brother, when I, when I, when, when I first started getting interested in boys and dating and everything, I know my brother was very like, what is going on here? I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's when things start changing, right? Your, your siblings have a a place and they fill a role and then, you know, they start breaking out of that and you're like, what is going on? Because, and I have to imagine it's, it's all the harder when it's, you know, your siblings sex right because it's like no 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 you don't get to join that group hmm. well i think he was younger so it was just like you all get away <laughs> oh <laughs> see i never had that I, I i have two older sisters and the youngest of the two is f- six years older than me right oh, so yeah. they started dating when i was in elementary school and it was a non-issue for me i was happy to get yeah. her out of the house <laughs> right on so as you are working on this book how much did you know about the Sundering event, which is the next book? So I was most – I was heavily into the first draft when I got um, the email from James Wyatt that said, you know, we want you to participate in this 
project. Um, at the time, they just sort of had this general idea because they, they wanted all the authors to get together and, and sort of come up with, with ideas, um, which I unfortunately did not get to do because I had a baby mm-hmm. uh, literally three how, days before How dare meeting. you? I know. He said they were planning the day. We're planning to have this meeting on, I think it was November 15th. And I'm like, yeah, that's my due date, James. I can't make it. <laughs> um, and so then the, during that, that meeting, I, I was um, – you know, holding my newborn and, and conference calling in. So I, uh, had mostly finished my first draft by then, I think. And so when the story came together and, and they were asking for, you know, ideas for that book, then I went back and I, I did change and add a few things to sort of flow better into the adversary. Um, like, like the ending, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the epilogue very clearly uh, seems to be heading that direction, right? Yeah. The original epilogue, actually, and there was a lot of things. That, there were a lot of things that were very different in the first draft, but the original epilogue was actually Sarchi going to um, Fallen in Vidaya and, and making a sort of a deal with her, um, which obviously in, in Lesser Evils now, Lorcan's the one that makes a deal with Fallen in Vidaya, and Sarchi has to answer to Kalasha instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Is there any chance you could tell us what the party looks like in the next book? Because one of the, the things that came up in our conversation is it looks like you could very easily split the, the whole thing in, into two series now. You could do a new Harper series and, and a Brimstone Angel series. See, but then I have to write two books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm quite at this point in my life with the uh, toddler running around. I don't know if I can, I can pretend I'm going to do that. Um, the party in the next book is largely similar. Um, there's a few, I think Tam kind of takes a step back because now he's got this leadership role. He's, you know, got to kind of do some behind the desk work. Um, but if you've seen the Sundering Pantheon, you can see Dahl is um, in the adversary as a major character. Uh, Brennan Havilar are, Mahen comes back into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of new people, including a lot of new Harpers. Okay. That'll be interesting. And, and it, it, it'll also be interesting to follow because your story might be our main way of figuring out what's happening with some of the the fourth edition style races as we go into the the new version of the realms, right? With, with the dragonborn <laughs> yeah. and the tieflings and all that. The one that are, I, I, I'm waiting for someone to, to blame me for making sure those stay. No, I uh, – <laughs> yeah, no, the tieflings, the fourth edition tieflings are sticking around. Um, but – I, I think I, I tried to make clear in my explanation that there's room for the old style tieflings mm-hmm. that that's because, you know, they want to open it up that there's, there's room for that. I, I can't say right now that I'm going to write about those kinds of tieflings. Cause I like the fourth edition tieflings, but um, the Asmodian tieflings as I, I call them. Um, but yeah, so there, there will be fourth edition tieflings. Obviously <laughs> that would be a really weird story if I suddenly retconned Farida. Um, and yeah, the hen's staying in the story, so I'm not gonna suddenly drop him like a, you know, the, the younger daughter in a in a sitcom past its prime and just be like, oh, who knew? Who's my hen? Um, <laughs> it's all. And yeah, mean. so that that there is there is a good chance that going for it, I'll kind of talk more about those races. Okay. Trace, any questions? I want to know where I can buy all these other chap books. <laughs> Cause, Cause, uh, 
sometimes some of that stuff sounds really cool that they did in the chat books. It doesn't happen in real life in the chat book that we're reading. I actually really love that. I, I, I do love it. I, I'm going to start using it in my campaigns. Oh, that's, and stuff. that's a long-standing tradition in the realms too. Yeah, I know. So, but I, I like these ones though, because there's romances and stuff. Mm-hmm. I figure, you know, the, the chat books available, and I, I, I don't remember where I've seen all of these, but I feel like I've seen chat books referenced that are meant to be romances that are meant to be mystery stories. Um, I figure it, you know, is, as, as as old as as and Waterdeep isn't as kind of cosmopolitan as it is, you know, people have wants from their fiction, and why not give it to them? So you get these adventure stories, and you get these romances, and you get these, you know, you probably get some, you know, morality play kind of things, and whatever people want to read, somebody's got to be making it. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny because, like, uh, I mean, we've read now quite a few different uh, Forgotten Realms books, but this. The ones with the Brimstone Angels seem to reference the chapbooks more, particularly this one. And I I yeah. just, I love that. I like that they're sitting in the hallway reading all the books and <laughs> they, they got a little bit of money. So, hey, let's go buy some books and read them. It's like, what do you what do you do when you're, you're 17 and you're kind of sheltered in a lot of ways and you get some cash, you know? Right. There's no, yeah. there's, there's no TV, out. there's no internet, there's no movies. Exactly. You know, and they not... want to escape from a life of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I have to figure, too, that, you know, especially when you talk about Havlar and Farida, that they don't have this, like, wealth of experience when it comes to interacting with, like, other people. So, you know, when like when you look at the way Havilar and Bryn conduct themselves, it is a little young on the page just because neither of them have a lot to fall back on mm-hmm. and that probably where they've learned this stuff at all is from reading it in chat books right they get these weird ideas about how romance works because that's how people talk about it um yeah well and it's, it speaks to me because growing up i i grew up relatively poor so we didn't have we didn't do a ton of different things so most of the way i explore the world was through books and then learning later on like which things were right and which things were wrong it's a long it's process. People saying, this would be funny if people interacted like this. <laughs> no, 19th totally. century British literature, nothing like the U.S. today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't, this, this, you go back, don't, don't apply that to your dating life. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think, uh, see, I think it would be a fun little thing if they made little chat books to give out that were that'd be awesome tracy yeah. tracy you write them i'll edit and lay out and we'll release and we'll, we'll have chat books to hand out at gen con yeah well no for a little while on twitter i was doing as the cauldron bubbles and it was like soap opera little snippets awesome let's write them up let's do it we should do it <laughs> i'd love it I'll, I'll endorse them awesome maybe you could you could do one for us it'll be a series of short stories it'll be great yeah, well, the only problem is I, I honestly, I feel like my short stories take longer to write than my novels sometimes. <laughs> or, he, or here's even better. It'll be like uh, we could do uh, short stories where, like, you know, Tracy writes the first one and then we pass it on and somebody else writes the next part of the story. But you know, <laughs> so you get to keep messing with other people's th- stuff. There we go. That'd be fun. That'd be very entertaining. <laughs> Speaking of stories, yes, uh, and and sneaking, uh, trying to sneak a peek at what's coming up ahead. I, I seem to feel like there are three or four major story threads going on now. Uh, and I'm just curious. Only three or four? <laughs> well, I, 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 
I kid, I kid. Obvious ones, uh, I should say. Right, right. You know, there's Tam dealing with the Harpers. There's Meehan, who's you know in jail. Um, and then there's the whole thing with Lorcan and the devils and, and all that, you know, which and is sort did, of the A-plot, right? The, the, and, and where did Bryn's money go? Oh, the Crown Silvers took it back. Okay. So they, they were, I, I, I might have, you know, that's, they, they don't know for sure, right, in the book, but that's what happened. That basically Helindra Crown Silver, his great aunt, who's um, really kind of Machiavellian, kind of went, mm-hmm. oh, you know, oh, that's, that's what's going on? Okay. No, you get exactly enough money to get back here, and we're done with this little game. Very good. So I'm I'm curious. Are are we going to see in the next um, in the next book? Are we going to see all of these sort of storylines playing out? Are they going to be layered on top of each other and all of them happening at once? Um, or are like the Harper's story going to t- with Tam uh, cleaning up the Harper's and what have you? Is that going to take sort of a back seat, and the other things are going to be the focus? Uh, there's some. So there, I think everything gets dealt with. Um, but there's sort of, because of the, the way that the Sundering is laid out, there's, there's some sort of give and take that had to happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing that's, I think it has sort of come out is that the, the timeline is a little different. Mm-hmm. So the story starts in 1478 and ends in, in 1486. So some things get dealt with a little faster. Sure. Some things kind of get dealt with, and they're happening in the background. Um, so Meehan's not going to spend ten years in jail. No, okay, I will tell you that. <laughs> not spend ten years in jail or okay. eight years, um, but you know it, it gets dealt with. And uh, the it's this is the this is like the worst time when you write a book where you're not completely <laughs> sure about what you're allowed to say sure, sure. and what. You, ought to be saying um so it's it sounds honestly i've scared a few people by by confirming this timeline thing um but i have a good solution i think and i it's it's a pretty cool story i'm pretty happy about how it's come together right and that could address some of some of the things um some of the issues i have to to deal with as as i read um these books is that uh the the girls frida and and i'm sorry uh, yeah frida and havilar um, in terms of as I as I think of them in game terms, mm-hmm. are a higher level than I feel like they can deal with emotionally and, and, and in terms of their maturity. You know. Okay. Uh, you know, in, in in that you know, they're getting very powerful and lack the maturity to necessarily make good decisions with the power they have. Um, and and jump, you know, having eight years timeline will maybe help level that out. Possibly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I All feel right. like, you know, they're... I, I can see where you're coming from, but there's sort of... They're not making decisions sort of without their own reasoning. No, absolutely. But and, and maybe it's the middle school teacher in me, but thinking about teenagers <laughs> with more power than me um, is frightening. Well, how many times have you stopped the hells from invading the plane, huh? Huh? This week? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Doll. Mm-hmm. I, I, I came to like Doll an awful lot. I'm uh, glad. I, I wasn't so sure about Doll for like the first half or so. And then as we got more of his backstory, I came to like Doll. He's a fallen paladin. He's right up your alley. He's a fallen paladin and he's an Ogma knight and I like Ogma. Um, and all of that. 
and I'm and I'm curious, and maybe you you can't tell us because there's more story coming from him later. Um, is he actually fallen, or is he dealing with stuff? Um, he's fallen, but it's complicated. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm actually I'm I'm really ex- I really like Doll. I really like how he he turned out. Um I really like the fact that that people's first reaction is that they really kind of want to slap him. Mm-hmm. Um but then by the end they're they're sort of impressed. Like either I mean in the end, you know, he admits he's wrong and that's a I mean that's a big deal. You don't see people in real life do that that often. Um and I I'm really pleased that that speaks so well to people. I the the person who copy edited the manuscript, uh, Susan J. Morris, um, who was previously my editor, um, mm-hmm. read it and, and told me that around the time that Verita is off in the library su- secretly summoning Lorcan and Dahl goes out to find her and he, think he thinks, oh my god, Tam is going to kill me. She's like, no, I am done with you. You are a jerk and I am done. Um, and then by the end, she's she's completely flipped and she's like, he, she likes Dahl and she hates Lorcan. And um, that just it makes me happy that, that he's got you know, that depth that, that speaks to people. Yeah. Um, well, and it's the background that, that fixes it for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, now I suddenly yeah. understand where it's coming from. And he's he's had, a, had a rough time. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit I'm not a whole lot not nicer to him um, an adversary, but... Okay. He, he I'm just... Develops. <laughs> I'm just imagining Facebook pages for all these characters, and it's like under God section, because you would have gods in the right. Facebook. <laughs> it would be like, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think, I mean, I think that's one of those things about Doll that I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad works and I like about him is that, you know, Ogma kind of dumped him, but he's not done with Ogma, right? Like his, his relationship to the God that he worshiped is, is strong enough that he's sort of like, he's not just like, well, screw you then, you know, but he's kind of going, okay, well, what happened? He's still mad, right? He still mm-hmm. has moments of screw you then. But he also kind of understands that this is a bigger thing, that this might be bigger than him. Um, I don't know. I think I liked that aspect, and I'm I'm glad it kind of came together. Because, yeah, I like Agba, too. He's interesting. I find it interesting that you say Agba dumped him, because I was wondering if that wasn't necessarily the case, and that Dahl just didn't understand what was going on. Well, I mean, he's lost his powers. So from his perspective, he's he's been dumped, right? right. He's, he's a fallen paladin. He's... Something's happened, and the god went yoink. Um, and and I don't. Dahl does not understand why. He has no idea why that happened. Right, I get that. Um, so, and and the. <laughs> and we'll find out more. What we'll right? find out more. It's awful. There's some of these things that I'm just. I just want to spoil it like crazy. But <laughs> it'll be more fun if you can find out along. I'm sure it will. You you bet. All right, Trace. Any other questions? Uh, I think that's it for me. Because all I have to ask is more stuff about what's coming up next, and I know she can't tell me, so we might as well uh, wrap it up, huh? I don't know. If you keep asking, I might. Break. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard when you write these books because you, you know, you you don't you don't get a whole lot of time to talk to other people about them, and then when you do get a chance, a lot of the time the answer is, mm, I got an NDA. Sorry. Yeah. I just I feel like the book is going to, the the book that they saved from the library is just going to become a gossip. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I, you know, I have to admit that, that that I think that the adventures of the book would be really entertaining, like comic or something. 
I love going to be so bored sometimes. Like, really? <laughs> I love the idea of the book. I said, I, I said earlier in the discussion that that book or, or a, a thing similar to that book is totally going to be an NPC in my next game. Oh, good. I love hearing that. I, 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 the concept of the book and the library as a whole, I, I thought was really fun. Thank you. I, it was, so when I first was writing this, like when they first asked me to write lesser evils, um, I had intended to write a different sequel to Brimstone Angels, but they were planning to do the the Jintarum series, which they had since canceled, but um, they wanted a book to go along with that. And they said, so we want you to write a book about the Harpers kind of coming, you know, into the, um, the limelight again. And also the Jintarum. And I was like, okay. They're like, so you can write Brimstone Angels too, like in 2013, which I'm glad I didn't because then I would never gotten to write this book. Right. Um, and I, I thought about it and, and I came back and said, can I, can I do both? Can I do them together? Um, and that image of a library and, and Frida trying to find the answer in this sort of maze-like library was the, the thing I'd taken from the idea I had originally. Like, um, so that was sort of the genesis of, of the whole thing was going Jintarum. And the idea of the Jintarum and the Harpers working together against Shade since that group of harpers at least in the in the campaign mm-hmm. guide is described as being really focused on destroying them um so those two things together because yeah spooky library that just i love that <laughs> <laughs> i'm also now picturing like the incredibly bored uh child of upper nobility who has no imagination asking the book inane questions <laughs> and driving the book insane <laughs> and the book is like don't you want to do this and I'm like no no that's not that no no I, I, what color nail polish goes with this outfit <laughs> right because the book was was crazy upset at what Havilar right when she was asking for relationship advice yeah. <laughs> like, what I, you're wasting I, my time with this <laughs> I, I I tried really my editor has on, when Brooms and Angels kind of got on my case about how many points of view was really, really, really reasonable because um, I, I went a little overboard. And I think she's right that men, and I've since sort of thought about it in those terms that you, you have a point of view character, they need to have a character arc. But I was like, I have to write that scene. I have to figure out a way to do it because mm-hmm. I, I love the idea of it. and Because that's what's important to her, right? She needs this answer right now. Somebody has to know it. And, and it, at the same time, it makes perfect sense. I mean, at the time, that was their big source of information and, and wisdom that they were all going to. Uh, but it also was our – I mean, it served a, a story purpose because it gave us a hint as as readers that that book is not exactly what it seems. Like yeah. there is a personality there that is beyond just a, a magic item. Yeah. So no, very good. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. And we look forward to seeing where things go uh, in the next book. So, Yes, I, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> and as we finish up our episode, I want to thank our guest, Eric M. Paquette. Hello. Yes, thank and, you. And you are Eric M. Pack over at Twitter. Is that right? Yes. Excellent. And Brenda Samler, where can people find you? You can't. <laughs> you are, you are invisible. Yeah. And our returning master, Jeffrey D. Wynn. That's me. Anywhere you want to point people to? Uh, just email Jeff. Email me. The real Jeff at the Tome Show. <laughs> and he'll, he'll pass it along to me. And Tracy, how do people do that? Well, they'd like to contact us. They can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com. 
or call our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And you can find show notes and other Tome Show podcasts over at thetomeshow.com. And that is our take on the second half of Lesser Evils. Join us next month as we read chapters 1 through 14 of Shadowbane, Eye of Justice. I'm on the wall.